<sighs> so, one of the reasons I've been away for a couple of weeks is that I've been incredibly busy. And it's not just with work and all the other things that I have to do, like traveling and sorting things out for various clients, but some of this negativity online is really starting to grate a bit. I mean, I'm almost starting to feel like the man of evil on the internet, given some of the comments that I've been reading. And this has real-world consequences. Now, I know you can't see this because it's a podcast, but check out this audio of some of the crap I've had to deal with in the last couple of weeks. Beastman, you bumbling baboon! I asked you to take me to He-Man, not THE Man! Oh, for God, not more of you cartoon villains. I mean, it's bad enough that I'm a cartoon villain now without you guys turning up trying to get in on my turf. Ah, you think you're clever, don't you? Well, I am Skeletor, and you are just a nincompoop! Prepare to eat my laser! You, you mean this laser that you dropped on your way in, because you're basically an idiot? Yeah! Run! He's got a laser! <laughs> everyone and welcome back to the anime independent podcast yes i have been away it's been a busy couple of weeks and because i've been away and there's a lot to pack into a half hour show let's dive straight into the news but not go too far back otherwise we will be here all day let's start off with something near and dear to my heart the very first toys from next year's transformers siege war for cybertron line has been announced now you may remember, I think I've touched on this before, but Hasbro and Takara have got undergone a brand unification process. So whereas Hasbro used to release a version of the toy, uh, maybe Toy Deco, the Japanese Takara company would then release the same thing but in a cartoon deco, or they'd add little extras and change things around. But all that is done. From now on, everything you buy in the West will also be as it is in the East. So this War for Cybertron series is not the first, it's the second series. Power of the Primes was the first series to be identical. Second series, following that up, Transformers Siege. Now, they're going to be taking the exclusive Japanese Target Master partners that they released as part of those little upgrades and extras that Takara used to throw in and releasing them on their own. So the first one of those is a character called Fire Drive. Totally new character as far as I'm aware. Uh, white and black deco looks pretty cool. And these new toys are going to come with little greebly add-on bits that are translucent that make it look like the weapons are firing. So they're really going for display, I think, with these. It's because they're going to get lost pretty easily <laughs> if you don't have them plugged in. But it looks like they're going to emphasize the war and the siege elements of the title. We've seen pictures now of Optimus Prime, Sideswipe, Hound, Ironhide, a new Ultra Magnus, which is a Transformer wearing the trailer, which looks pretty cool. And some of these figures are going to have battle damage as well, so uh, that's not really my kind of thing. I like my Transformers to be nice and showroom ready, but with this they are going to make it a little bit more, uh, I don't know, gritty, I suppose is the word I'm looking for. So that, if you're a Transformers fan, may be something to look forward to. But let's move on from the robots in disguise. There is going to be a release of I Want to Eat Your Pancreas as a manga and as a novel. Now, this was a novel that was released to critical acclaim. It's won awards. And I've got to say thanks to Sinigami on Twitter, who corrected me. That's not a light novel. It is, in fact, a full novel. 
and this is coming on September the 1st as an anime, but Seven Seas has announced it will be releasing the novel and manga versions. Uh, the novel will be released in the fall of 2018, that's autumn for us, and the manga will follow in the spring of 2019. So this is a deeply moving first-person story about a high school boy who finds the diary of his classmate and discovers she's dying. Yamochi Sakura has been silently suffering from a pancreatic disease in school and now exactly one person outside her family knows and he swears to her that he won't tell anyone what he learned. So it's a very emotional, very character-driven story. A lot of people really like this and, you know, the girl only has a few months to live and the boy decides he's going to try and make that time the best he possibly can. So this sounds like a bit of a tearjerker, to be honest. I haven't seen the movie and I haven't read the books, but I'll be getting hold of uh, probably the novel and giving that a read. And then I'll blub my opinion to you on another podcast or on the website itself. Another one that's quite interesting, Dark Horse are releasing a Zelda Breath of the Wild Creating a Champion Super Special Edition book, which looks gorgeous. It's about £100, but you've got nearly 50 pages of sketches and official illustrations from Takumi Wada. You have 296 pages of design artwork and commentary about the making of the game from the creators, and a 55-page historical section that divulges an in-depth history of the Hyrule Breath of the Wild world. So it's going to be pretty cool, but what really makes this stand out is the slipcase. It's in the royal blue. It has a little drawer in the side that has a gorgeous glass replica of a spirit orb in it. You also get a picture of the heroes from the Breath of the Wild game as uh, Link hangs up in his house in the game. It looks absolutely stunning. If you want to have a quick look at it, it's on the website. Go and have a look. And I think pre-orders for that are starting to spring up, so it might be worth jumping in and picking that one up as soon as you can. Uh, that one, I can imagine, will probably sell out pretty quickly because I know there's a lot of Zelda nuts out there. Uh, quite right, too. Here's another one. In case you missed it, Godzilla 2 City on the Edge of Battle has arrived on Netflix. Now, the first film got middling reviews. The second film uh, is getting worse. We're going to return to Godzilla, but I had a bit of a sneak peek at this, and i got to say, it looks dull as hell. Uh, but if you are a Godzilla nut and you like your Godzilla CGI, that's available on Netflix now. Check it out. See if it's for you. Also, a uh, new one. Oh, Mary Skelter. This is one of my favourite uh, sort of dungeon RPGs on the PS Vita, and it has now landed on Steam. Uh, if you want to go and pick that up, I think you get a 40% discount at the moment. So you might have to be quick because I don't think that's hanging around for long. But it's a gorgeous game. It's got really cool visuals, great soundtrack. Uh, I really enjoyed it when I got a chance to play it. So if you are a PC gamer, you can now join in. <laughs> Moving on again. Yurisei Sora is getting re-released in the spring. And they're going to be putting multiple volumes into a single volume. It's going to be two chapter compilations. And this was announced at San Diego Comic Con, which looked great, by the way. I kind of wished I'd been there. I've got to say, Yurisei uh, Itsura has a pretty special place in my heart. Way back when, when MVM released, I think it was the third film as a sort of box set. I did the third disc along with Gemma Cox from Neo Magazine, or is now with Neo Magazine, wasn't back then, which was all sorts of information on Yurisei Itsura, which was a self-loading website once you put it in your PC. This back in the day when that sort of thing was, you know, relevant and <laughs> websites weren't so prevalent. But I am hugely fond of Yurisei Atsura. I've got to say the humour doesn't always play to me, but when the BBC uh, did that dub 
way back, I think, in the early aughts uh, with Matt Lucas and Lauren Laverne. It is funny as hell. It's on YouTube. If you want to go and see it, fire in BBC Eurosayatsura or BBC Lum into YouTube and you watch it. And I mean, it, the, the dub bears no resemblance to the actual story, but it is really, really funny. And uh, I would highly recommend going to take a look at that. But the manga is coming out in spring of next year. And if you haven't read it already, that I reckon would be one to pick up because Rumiko Takahashi is a goddess when it comes to Japanese character and comedy and love stories. I Just superb. Try it out and find out why she's one of the best in the business. And moving on to another anime heroine. Alita's second trailer has landed. And yes, they fixed the eyes. They have done it. They fixed those eyes. Hallelujah. Uh, it looks much better now. The eyes are still a little oversized, but they are not so big as to see. Jesus! What are you staring at, woman? Uh, this is obviously the James Cameron and John Landau film. It's directed by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, Robert Rodriguez. It's starring Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, Mathashala Ali, and Rosa Salazar as Alita. Uh, it's a $200 million budget, so this should look amazing. And this second trailer, I've got to tell you, looks fantastic. You can catch it on the website or on YouTube. Take a look at it. I mean, I really like the way that they're treating the characters in this. Hugo doesn't look like a completely annoying tip like he was in the anime film. And you've got Vector, who looks bang on. I've got to say, Mathashala Ali is a perfect casting choice, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how they play his character, because the movie version of him and the manga version were quite different. Uh, similar but different, and I really want to see which way they go, and I hope they leave this open to sequels, because I would love to see the entire original, before they got to Last Order, version of the manga play out, because I really like that original ending, and yeah, I am really, really pleased to see that's landing and it's starting to look really good there's some great shots of her as well when she's wearing the the cat suit with the new body and yeah just watch it looks fantastic oh here's a really cool one bandai have announced a 148 dx jagokin vf1j this is the original original originator the original valkyrie as piloted by hikaru ichijo and it is a beast articulated fingerless it's got uh, loads of options, tons of detail. It looks phenomenal. Sold out in three seconds. I didn't get the first wave. I'm hoping to maybe pre-order a second one. Now, this was brought to my attention by Oli Bada. Uh, he's a great writer, lives in Japan. He wrote an article for Forbes, <laughs> which I always love because I always think of Die Hard when I read it in Forbes. And so his original article is linked to on our news item. There's a video there of the designer talking you through the toy and it does look phenomenal. Huge beast, and pride of place in anybody's Macross collection. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tempted by this one, and that releases in December, so if you're looking for it, get in there quick, and I would recommend TFW 2005, which has a Macross thread, which is really good at letting you know when this stuff goes online, and also Macross World. You look up their website and their forum, everybody in there is really helpful, so if you're looking for this, uh, they usually post when it's available, and if you keep an eye on it and set your alerts, you might be able to bag one, but this is going to be a rare beast, mark my words, so get yourself in there as soon as you can. Oh, this is going to make for an amazing video if I can get hold of this. And finally, <laughs> he says running out of breath, Pokemon the movie, The Power of Us is to receive a UK cinema release. Fathom Events have announced via the official Pokemon website that the Pokemon the movie The Power of Us, also known as Everyone's Story in Japan, which was released last month, July 13th, it's coming to the big screen in the UK 
mainly I would imagine because Pokemon I Choose You was the highest grossing anime cinema release of last year, so well done Pokemon, apparently you still have it. This is the 21st Pokemon movie, if you can imagine, 21 Pokemon movies, that is a marathon I don't think you'd survive. This is done by OLM and Wit Studio again, and it's got a really talented cast, so it's directed by Tetsuya Yajima, uh, the film, he did the last one, uh, the film is written by Eiji Umehara, which is Grimoire of Zero, and Ayatakaha, who did the scripts for The Ancient Mage's Bride, and it features character designs by Shitsui Kaniko, who did How Not to Summon a Demon Lord, so if you love that style, you'll love this, and I really wish they'd gone for the Japanese poster for the Western theatrical release, because I've got the picture of the Japanese poster on the site, and I just think it's so much better than the one they picked for the West. It almost has a Mega Man vibe to it. I think it's the way they've drawn the thighs on some of the girls, but it is a really, really cool picture. And again, if you check our Twitter feed, you'll see it's like a larger version of it, but it is pretty gorgeous. And I have to say, I kind of like a poster of this one. <sighs> and that's the news. We did it. We got through the news from several weeks worth. I've, I've left a few out that were sort of time sensitive, but for the most part, that was the news. Let's go over a few of the things that have been happening on the website. We saw Dropkick on My Devil, and I've got the first thoughts up on that. I'm going to skip that one. Long story short, not my kind of humour. Very violent and ditchy and scratchy style humour, but with a girl with a snake tail. <laughs> Whatever. But more importantly, more interestingly, certainly to me, was the fact that at San Diego Comic Con, they announced that there will be a live-action Gundam. Now, Sunrise are going to be keeping a very tight control on the script for this one, which is good because who else knows Gundam as well as they do, but Legendary are being brought in to do the visuals, and I imagine seeing their Pacific Rim work and their Godzilla work that they should be able to nail this like no one else. It looks like it's going to be absolutely fantastic, and I'm really pleased that Sunrise haven't just sort of sold off the rights and gone, do whatever, just give us the money. They are treating this as a legacy project. This is the first live-action Gundam film uh, of, of any sort of serious uh, rollout. It looks like it's going to be amazing. There's nothing about the budget as far as I've seen so far. I do know that they are going to be looking at, I think, year after next maybe for this. Uh, but you have to remember, Legendary Entertainment might be California-based, but they're also Chinese-owned. So there's plenty of money behind this studio. I wrote a little article online about what I would like to see in a live-action Gundam. So let's just go through a couple of the bits and pieces. I'm going to go through the whole article because you can go and read that if you wish. Essentially, what I really want them to do with this, I would really like them to capture the core elements of Gundam. So you need to have your Amara Ray character, you need to have your Char Aznable character, and you need to have your space colonies, and you need to have your Earth government, and you need to have them fighting. The thing about Char Aznable is that his goals are understandable, and he is a sympathetic villain. So what I really hope they do with him is making somebody you could almost root for. What would be really great with this, if, if I guess almost like the Fast and Furious films where they tend to make their best uh, villains suddenly the heroes of the next films, and I'd like to see that with this series. I'd want Char, whoever they get to play him, to be so charismatic that you could potentially see him as the good guy. And it'd be good to see an ideological clash where it isn't really one-sided, that one's really evil and the other one's really good. Obviously we want to see lots of mechs. Now, I'm a bit torn here because I don't know whether I want to see just one sort of special mech on each side, like, you know, the uh, the, the, the RX-78 Gundam and Char's sort of red... Oh, I can't remember what it was called now, the Red Bomb or something like that. But basically, 
I would like to see them go a little bit beyond that. It'd be nice if you get a bit of a team going. I can understand for budgetary reasons if they don't do this. But when you look at something like Gundam Wing or Gundam Seed, there was a team of specialist units that all had different functions. So if they had the budget and they felt so inclined, I think they could go, you know, stretch it out a bit. Almost you know, Gundam Double Zero, not that I like that series, but that kind of approach rather than just we've got this one Gundam unit. And the one thing I really liked about Seed was that you had the Strike Gundam was the only one that was retained by the Archangel while the other four were stolen. So while they're supposed to be able to support each other, you had one standing against the other four, and I thought that made for really, really interesting battles. So that kind of approach would also be really good. So let's let's see what they go with, but there's lots of opportunities here. What I'd also like to see is something that isn't obviously the start of a franchise. The way Iron Man worked in the original Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's a great film on its own. You don't need any more of them. You could have dumped the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you'd still have a great Iron Man film. That's what I'd like to see them do with this. Stylistically, obviously we've had things all over the place for Gundam. I mean, there are as many Gundam designs as there are stars in the sky. I would say I don't really fancy the retro future of Turn A Gundam, but you could get something a little bit more uh, enclosed, a little bit sort of sidelining, I guess, like Thunderbolt, which has just come out recently, where you have the real horrors of war. That might make for a good base for a, a film. But I've got a feeling that Sunrise doing their first Gundam film are going to want to have that Amuro and Char battle. So I think that's probably the way they're going to go with it. And obviously a little bit of a modernization of the RX-78 design so that we get some awesome toys. Because I've got to say that Shigokin Gypsy Danger was freaking amazing when Seb picked it up in Japan. So I would like to see some quality Gundam, Gunpla and Jagokins and everything coming from this movie. I would suggest that if they do even a half-decent movie, the sale in Japan alone of all the merchandise should justify a second one. But I really hope that they treat it as its own serious, on-its-own film, standalone. Let's do that, and then if it's any good and there's demand for it, let's do some more. I really hope that Pacific Rim hasn't damaged the concept too much and taken away the awe of having awesome robots, but I've got a feeling that we could well be all right. So that's the live-action Gundam. Let's have a look at some first thoughts of some actual anime. So, I had the chance to watch Harakana Receive, and I've also just received the manga of this, because it's literally just come through the door. I watched this, and I thought it was very cute. It's obviously going to be problematic for some, because it's cute young girls bouncing around in bikinis, and there's a few sort of almost Top Gun-esque shots of the characters playing. And I don't know, I found it to be fun and harmless. I've got a feeling some people are going to find this a bit offensive for whatever reason. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I Again, with these first thoughts, I watched the first episode and determined whether I enjoy it or and th if I think it's got legs. Uh, there's certainly lots of legs in this. And yes, I can see the scope for it. And where you had Hanabado last time we talked about this, which is set in the world of badminton, this is beach volleyball. It is a more fun, and I, I guess it's still as competitive, but I don't suppose you take it quite as seriously. The world of beach volleyball doesn't have quite the same ring as the world of badminton, and I know that badminton is a huge sport in Asia. Uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine was hugely into badminton, and she was uh, half Malay Chinese, and it is almost a religion for some of those people. And one thing that made me laugh about Hanabada was the sheer amount of Yonex advertising everywhere through that. I haven't noticed it so much in this, but I'm sure that's only because I don't recognize the brand names for beach volleyball. I'm sure this is probably sponsored up the wazoo. I have to say, I think it's really good. 
I don't know how much scope it's going to have for future adventures, but there seems to be some good tension between the main cast, even from the first episode. It looks gorgeous. I mean, it's such a sharp-looking show. It's obviously, you know, super HD. Uh, You have beautiful water effects and some stunning blue skies, stunning beaches. And really, if I've got to be honest, this really looks like a... I don't know, an advertisement for going to Okinawa. Yeah, if you want to move to Okinawa, <laughs> watch this, and you, you you have to be tied down before you go. It looks absolutely beautiful. The way it's all lit, the way it's all put together, all the, uh, the direction I thought was really pretty. Just really, really good show. So I think this one caught me a little bit more than Hanabado did. If I was to put money on which one's going to be the best series long term... I would go the badminton route. I think there's more scope for more serious emotional development in that show than there possibly is going to be in Harakana Receive, which does look a little bit more comedic in its outlook. But again, if you want to see the full thoughts, check out the website and it's on there. So from something fun and frothy, let's move on to something absolutely freaking bizarre. I watched Angels of Death. (laughs) And this is one of the shortest first thoughts I've ever done on the website. It's only, what, about four paragraphs and a bit, so it's not very long. But I've got to say, this is such a weird show. It's almost beyond description. It is a young girl running around in what appears to be a multi-level basement, trying to flee for her life, but she's really depressed, so she's not really that bothered about saving her life, it seems to me, being chased by a scythe-wielding maniac who likes to laugh at high pitch. I didn't really find any particular character to latch onto initially from this. I do like the setup. It's kind of a little bit Silent Hill. I love the idea of the self-typing typewriter. I mean, that's very fringe. It's just so weird, though. I do need to watch more of this because I think it's going to go one way or the other. I'm either going to absolutely hate it because it's going to be really depressing and full of death, or it's going to be clever and inventive and puzzle boxy, and I will enjoy it. When she was talking to the Doctor in this first episode... I did start getting a bit bored and fidgety because his stick got old really quickly. And I really hope they've got more interesting characters on this series down the road to make it a bit more interesting. So, yeah, I'm not entirely convinced by this one. Angel of Death is okay. It's on Crunchyroll. Take a look at the trailer on the website and see for yourself if you think it looks like your kind of jam. I thought it was fine. I'm not convinced it's a keeper. It's not one I'm necessarily going to watch to the end, but I will watch another couple of episodes and see how I get on with it. Another one that animator make you go, meh. Homes of Kyoto. Now, this is a bit of an odd one. Now, it's really hard to judge this from a first episode, and I made this quite clear in the article. Homes of Kyoto episode one is pure setup from sort of like scene one onwards. It is all about a young man who they call the Homes of Kyoto, and it is starring a chap called Yagashira Kiyotaka, who is the Homes of Kyoto, and Mashiro Aoi, I can never get that name right, and she ends up working at the shop as an assistant. Now, we are promised going forward a series of mysteries set around the town. I think this is going to be another almost touristy kind of show. Ever since they did, uh, you know, laid-back camp, The Japanese animation industry seems to be into making commercials for certain districts of Japan. And that was kind of how I felt a little bit about this as well as I did about Arakana Receive and Okinawa. So you meet Aoi. I'm going to look that up and how to pronounce it. (laughs) Otherwise I sound like a complete tit. But it was all right. It wasn't fascinating. 
it was seemed to be that they put Vaseline all over the lenses. It looked very sort of old school uh, in terms of focus. Now, Yagashira Kiyotaka, or Holmes, is an appraiser of antiques. There is, at the end of the first episode, clearly a villain lurking in the shadows who is trying to put fake antiques onto the market. It seems to me that they are going to be setting up a little bit of sort of cat and mouse between those two, but I don't really see where that goes long term. I mean, these are, you know, I'm coming here to sell you my antiques, they're not real, alright, I'll bugger off. That kind of finishes it, and that happens in this episode. And this guy is really a, a bad actor, because he comes in sweating and it's like, oh, Nanya! Uh, and you just think you'd surely be more laid back. You'd walk in and go, oh, I didn't know it was a fake. But no, it was like, oh, curse you, Holmes of Kyoto, you've rumbled me in my clearly dubious uh, act of trying to sell you fake antiques, which I've got somebody to make look antique It's It was comedic in the sense of it felt a bit overplayed in places and a little bit staid and dull in others. So... Again, it looked beautiful, like so many modern anime do, and it seems to me, looking for some of the promo pictures I've seen and the trailer, that there are going to be other recurring characters that might spice things up a bit. But for now, I don't know if I'm so intrigued as I want to watch another one of these. I think it's a great show, possibly more for girls than it is for guys. You have uh, a very strong female lead who is basically a narrator, your Watson, I guess, if you will. And I suppose Kiyotaka is a handsome young man who's a little bit mysterious and a little bit arrogant, and girls tend to like that kind of guy. So it might well be that's that's where the audience is, and I'm that's what I'm picking up on. These are based on mystery novels by Michizuki Mai. So the fact that it's based on a series of novels with mysteries in hopefully will give us a stronger narrative going forward. But I guess for a setup show that gives you... Everything from the main characters to the location to the setup, it's fine. It's fine for what it is. I wasn't excited to watch more, but I did think it was a decent setup. So if you are into this kind of show, then a kind of gentle mystery show, love joy, if you will, love joy the anime. That kind of what it seemed like to me. Maybe give that a look and see what you think. And finally, we are looking at why Godzilla, King of Monsters, looks to have nailed it. Now this is. Yet another legendary show. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Well, legendary film. And I've done a short article to go over why I think this trailer looks so damn awesome. Because it really does. Now, I know when the Godzilla film from 2014 with Bryan Cranston came out, it looked awesome too. And they fudged it by killing off Bryan Cranston way too early. Something that actually Bryan Cranston in interviews has come out and said, look, they killed my character off way too early. You know, my character was the emotional heart of the show and they just stomped on me. And it all kind of went downhill from there. Now, I would say that the designs and the monster effects on that particular film were pretty fantastic when they got going. But it did feel a bit emotionally empty. So... What are they going to do differently on Godzilla King of Monsters? Now, judging by the trailer, they've got a couple of things that look to fix those issues with the 2014 film. So, first of all, they've got a really good cast in here. So, they've got Millie Bobby Brown, who looks to be probably the main character in this, young girl. And that's played by the girl who played Eleven in Stranger Things. So, she can react to weird shit like no one else. And she has gumption, because we've seen Eleven look absolutely awesome. So I'm really hoping elements of that character come over here. And it's really good to see the Stranger Things kids getting some really good roles. Uh, You know, from it to this, and hopefully more Stranger Things. Season 3's been announced anyway. So 
I would love to see the young actors from that really make the most of their opportunity because Stranger Things is brilliant. I think all the kids, when you watch the after show on Netflix, they seem like really nice kids, so you really want them to do well. You've got Millie Bobby Brown in here, and she is supported by Charles Dance, who is freaking epic anyway. Carl Chandler from Wolf of Wall Street and Argo, so he's good at heavy acting. And I've got to say, looking at the cinematography and the direction, I think Michael Doherty and Lawrence Scher seem to have got it. They understand what you want to see in a Godzilla film. And what do you want to see? You want to see their monsters. So what monsters are we going to be seeing? We've got Mothra, we've got King Ghidorah, and we've got Rodan. Now those may mean nothing to you at all if you don't know anything about Godzilla. I know a bit about Godzilla. I'm not a massive kaiju junkie. I'm not big into Japanese monster films. But thanks to James, I have seen probably more than uh, I would have done without his assistance. So let's go through each one. So Mothra is a giant moth monster and usually is female and usually on the side of humanity. From the trailer, we can see we're going to see her in a larvae uh, form and also there's an epic shot where the wings just unfurl from behind what looks like a, a, a city block or a like a nuclear power station or something the scale on this looks off the charts it's amazing so mothra giant moth monster rodan is a dinosaur style giant flying birdie beaky thing and there's a shot in the trailer again when i'm assuming that it is Rodan, is flying over this town. And the wake of the flight is just decimating the town underneath it. I mean, that just gives you a sense of the scale that is involved in this film. It looks epic. And then, my favourite, the three-headed dragon, King Ghidorah, who is at first seen in the trailer encased in what looks like ice with an awesome shot you can see all this scaffolding around the ice you can see a light coming from behind it and the shadow of king Ghidorah in it and it's the main picture on the website when you look at this particular article it looks great and you do see a few shots of Ghidorah in the trailer there's one and i'm assuming it looks just like king Ghidorah. millie bobby brown is looking out the window and this sort of looks away and then this head comes down and looks through the window that looks like uh, Ghidorah to me and then there's another shot where you just see the wings unfurl again with a sort of flash of lightning and smoke. And it looks just like the smoke monster from uh, Stranger Things Season 2. So they've really taken a sort of leaf out of that show's book when it comes to how to represent the monsters in terms of scale and awesomeness and power. And then you've got this shot of Godzilla coming out of the water and you hear that familiar nuclear hum as he's sort of prepping his laser. And I cannot wait to hear that in Dolby surround sound because it sounds just absolutely phenomenal. So I reckon Godzilla King of Monsters definitely one to look at. I can't wait for that to come out and I will be, oh, I'm going to be there. As soon as this thing launches, day one, I'm in for this. It looks absolutely fantastic. Ah, and I think, yes, that brings us up to date with what's happening in the world of anime and Japanese culture and all the other bits and pieces that we've been compiling on the website. I know we've had busy weeks before, what with you know other events like Anime Expo being on, and I'm only behind because I've had a lot of work to do and a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to be moving in with Bry shortly. So it's all up in the air over here, but I will be back next week with more. This has been a real pleasure to catch up with you all on. I hope you've got some excellent ideas for things to go and try now. Uh, and if you have any questions or any comments, as per usual, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or email, whatever you want to do. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Really appreciate your time. 
Take care, everyone. What's that? Where can I find this wonderful free entertainment? Well, you can find the website at animeindependent.net. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash animeindependent or even on the Twitters at animeindie. That's I N D Y. See you online, folks. Mm-hmm.